0: I invite you to turn over in your bulletin to page three, and you'll see there our, our scripture reading uh, this morning from the book of Numbers. Uh, at Emmanuel, we've been studying this Old Testament book uh, of scripture. This is the, the story of God's work among his people in the wilderness, they, They've been delivered out of Egypt. They're headed towards the promised land, but they're not there yet. These are the years in the wilderness. And uh, we've just finished a a portion of the book where it's, well, a pretty discouraging, sad portion of the the tale, a series of episodes where God's people rebel against him, where they grumble and complain against God. And, And the last two weeks we've looked at kind of the climactic rebellion uh, you might remember the, the story they're there on the, the edge the borders of the promised land and send spies into the land to, to look at how good it is and, and you, there's a report it's fantastic land but there are enemies there And you might remember that, uh, that God's people uh, give in to fear and unbelief and doubt and rebel against God they refuse to go Uh, Indeed, they say uh, before God, it's better that we would have died in Egypt, better that we would have died in the wilderness. Uh, And they rebel against the Lord. God, uh, you might remember, uh, uh, pardons them after Moses intercedes. He forgives them. There is this severe discipline that comes. They're going to wander the wilderness for 40 years. An entire generation will, will die out before they get to go into the promised land. Uh, there's actually a tail end to the story that we didn't get to last week, uh, which is it actually gets even worse. Uh, another another little rebellion in, in it because after uh, this this judgment comes, you're gonna you're gonna wander the wilderness. God's people say, "Okay, now we're ready to go into the land," uh, and they start to they start to go in. And Moses warns them not to go because God isn't with them, and and they go anyway, rebelling against God yet again. And sure enough, the enemies defeat them and they're driven back. So this this Discouraging rebellion after rebellion, and chapter fifteen is the follow-up, kind of a, okay, what now? After all this sin, after all this rebellion, what's next from the Lord? And as we read, you might begin to kind of scratch your head a little bit, um, but I think as we as we dig a little deeper together, we'll we'll discover. Uh, a really encouraging, surprising, challenging uh, response from the Lord. Response to the rebellion of His people. Here is God's next message to His own. Now, it's it's clothed in Old Testament clothing, uh, right? This the ceremonial law and sacrifices, and we'll have to kind of weed through what's what's going on here. But we'll, in the midst of it, we'll see how God helps His people to recover from rebellion let's read first of all from from numbers 15 uh, we'll read the first 21 verses uh, together here's the follow-up uh, to the the great rebellion against God the Lord spoke to Moses saying speak to the people of Israel and say to them when you come into the land you are to inhabit which I am giving you and you offer to the Lord from the herd or from the flock a food offering or a burnt offering or a sacrifice to fulfill a vow or as a will offering at your appointed feasts, to make a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Then he who brings his offering shall offer to the Lord a grain offering of a tenth of an ephah of fine flour, mixed with a quarter of hin of oil, and you shall offer with the burnt offering, or or for the sacrifice, a quarter of hin of wine for the drink offering for each lamb. Or for a ram, you shall offer a grain offering two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour, and a third of a hin of oil. And for the drink offering, you shall offer a third of a hin of wine, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And when you offer a bull as a burnt offering or sacrifice to fulfill a vow or a peace offerings to the Lord, then you shall offer with the bull a grain offering of three tenths of an ephah, of fine flour, mixed with a half a hin of oil. And you shall offer for the drink offering a half a hin of wine as a food offering, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Thus it shall be done for each bull or ram or for each lamb or young goat. As many as you offer, so shall you do with each one as many as there are. Every native Israelite shall do these things in this way, in offering a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And if a stranger is sojourning with you or anyone is living permanently among you and he wishes to offer a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord, he shall do as you do. For the assembly, there shall be one statute for you and for the stranger who sojourns with you, a statute forever throughout their generations, your generations. You and the sojourner shall be alike before the Lord. And one law and one rule shall be for you and the stranger who sojourns with you. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land to which I will bring you, And when you eat of the bread of the land, you shall present a contribution to the Lord. Of the first of your dough, you shall present a loaf as a contribution, like a contribution from the threshing floor. So shall you present it. And some of the first of your dough, you shall give to the Lord as a contribution throughout your generations. Let's pray for God's wisdom and help as we look to his word. Father, we pray that you would use your word, use what is proclaimed about it, uh, to minister to each heart here. Lord, we, we need you. We need your good news. Uh, we need your direction, and we're thankful uh, that you speak to your own. Even Even in your word this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So how do you recover from rebellion? Put yourself in Israel's shoes. Here they are as a people. You've just messed up. I mean, really, really messed up. Rebellion seriously against the Lord again and again and again against the holy God. What next? How do you how do you move on from that? It might not be that hard for us to imagine, because we do find ourselves in exactly that same situation, don't we? that the specific sins might be different, uh, but don't we go to those places in our walk with the Lord where where we find ourselves having just sinned, and uh, sometimes it's sinned badly against the Lord? That situation you might bring to mind, oh yes, the Lord does forgive, I know that, I uh, I believe that, uh, but but then you try to think of, well, how do we move on from here in my walk with the uh, maybe, uh, maybe you get this kind of sinking feeling about like, uh, what do I what now? Maybe you're tempted in a situation like that to, to grovel before the Lord. Lord, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. Really, 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 really sorry. Maybe that seems to be the need of the hour. Or, or perhaps you're tempted to just kind of keep your distance from God. Uh, right as if, well, surely he doesn't want to see me. After what I just did, uh, he 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 kind of is not real happy with me right now. So I'll just I'll just kind of keep at a distance for a while. Is that your temptation? How do you recover from rebellion? Well, Numbers fifteen is for us. We've seen this throughout the book of Numbers. That this picture of God's people in the wilderness. Well, that's essentially where we live. Uh, a different age. Uh, in that we're on this side of, of the coming of Christ. Uh, but, but still, there's, there's connection, there's similarity. We find ourselves just like God's people here uh, having to walk with Him, and yes, uh, often walk with Him at recovering from rebelling against Him. And I think what we have here, as God speaks to His people Israel, is a really surprising and also encouraging and challenging word from the Lord. It is dressed up in, in Old Testament, Old Covenant clothing. Here are these sacrifices that are called to by the Lord. And, uh, and we know, as with the rest of the Old Testament ceremonial law, the purpose here is not uh, give it so that we can study it to repeat it, uh, but see how this points us forward to the same Jesus, the same good news of the gospel, the same call to walk with him in light of Christ. Uh, so this is, uh, is for us. So what do, we, what do we get from the Lord? What is the road of recovery from rebellion? Well, the first thing I think we notice is God's surprising grace. God's surprising grace. Notice how the passage starts. So this is right after chapter 14. The, the, the very next words uh, after this long extended description of the people's rebellion against the Lord. Again and again. And the very next words are, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, speak to the people of Israel. Well, maybe just stop right there for a second. Uh, So the the, the very follow-up after the rebellion is, God has a message for the people. Maybe you can even picture Moses kind of, okay, gather around. Uh, God has something to say. God has a message for you. Maybe, Maybe you think about how the people might be thinking at this point. The God, the holy God he just rebelled against, uh, he's, he's, he wants to talk to us, you know, kind of, okay, what do you got? But what does God say? What is this message from the Lord right on the heels of the chapter 14 rebellion? It's this, the Lord spoke to Moses, speak to the people of Israel, say to them, When you come into the land that you are going to inhabit, which I am going to give you, you see the surprise there? Right on the heels of the rebellion, what is it that God wants to talk about? He wants to talk about what's going to take place when they, when they get into the promised land. Which, by the way, he says, I, I am going to give you. The very promised land, they, they've just rejected, the very promised land that they don't deserve. Uh, and they're thinking, you know, message from the Lord. Uh, and here's God saying, Oh, yeah, you know what we're going to talk about? We're going to talk about what it's like when you get there, which, of course, I'm going to give to you. And then you dive into the details about what he actually discusses uh, when, when, uh, in this, what he wants to talk about, about this time that they're going to have in the land. Um, and it's all these descriptions of, of details of offerings, sacrifices to the Lord. Uh, now, in, in Scripture up to this point, God has already talked quite a bit about different types of sacrifices— uh, the book of Leviticus opens with several chapters of descriptions of different sacrifices. So they've already, Israel's already gotten there, a lot of it, in Leviticus. So part of how you approach a new description is, okay, well, what's a little bit different? Or what's a little bit unique? What's the unique focus of this particular section of sacrifice descriptions? And, and when, you, when you start to look at it and say, what's different? What's the unique focus? What you see is what's focused on are the, are the drink offerings and the grain offerings that are going to accompany the other sacrifices. Uh, these offerings of fine flour, you probably heard the language repeated, this much fine flour and this much oil and this much wine, uh, again and again and again. So you kind of let that language start to sink in. God's saying, oh yeah, here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the fine flour which comes from grain from the fields. Uh, we're going to talk about the oil that's going to go on top of it, which comes from the olives, which comes from the groves in the field, uh, and, the, and all the wine that's to accompany it, which comes from the grapes, from the vineyards in the fields. Right? And you get this idea. God wants to talk about the land and all that it's going to produce and, and what that's going to look like for the, for the people of God, and specifically grain, wine, and oil which in the old, ancient mindset, uh, that's, that's the picture of the good life. That's the picture of abundance. Uh, if you have grain, wine, and oil, that's, that's life in abundance. And in pretty great quantities described here. Right, it's a it's, it's slightly different quantity depending on what kind of animal you're gonna, you're gonna offer, but if you kind of do the translation work, um, you start to realize this is pretty significant amounts. And this is, just, this is just the first portion that's offered to God. It's up to a, a gallon and a half of the finest flour, uh, up to a half a gallon of wine, up to a half a gallon of, of oil offered to the Lord. And that's just a little bit uh, representing the, the rest of the, the harvest that God has given. Uh, so God wants to talk about uh, what the land is going to produce and an abundance of production, all the things that, that represent abundant life, the, the good life, that's what he wants to talk about. And again, picture it, you know, God comes to his people. There's a message from the Lord we just rebelled against, and the people are going to, okay. And God says, I, I want to talk about the land that I'm going to give you, and, and all the produce it's going to produce, and just how abundant it is, which, by the way, I'm going to give you. We, we read uh, a little bit ago the, that parable of prodigal son from Jesus. Um, right in there, right? Talk about rebellion. There's the son rebelling against his father, dishonoring him and even asking for the inheritance ahead of time. But then wasting that whole inheritance on wicked living. And his memory's crawling back to his dad. This this whole speech prepared about the awfulness of of his sin. He wants to talk to dad about how unworthy he is and he sinned against heaven. And what does the dad want to talk about? Right? The dad wants to talk about all the wonderful things he's going to give to his son and the, and the rich meal he's going to prepare for him. Right? It, it surprises us, doesn't it? It's this surprising grace of God for, for rebels. Israel? Prodigal son? Us? Yeah. We, we, we look at them in their in their sin and say, yeah, I do the same kinds of things. I, I, I doubt uh, God's promises. I, I turn from him, I give in to fear, I run from him, I take the goodness of God and I waste it. Right, we could say that this is this is me in my sin, in my rebellion. But then hear this surprising grace of God. Well, this this is for us too, as we as we turn uh, as we turn from from our sin and return to God. <clears throat> what kind of welcome can we receive in Christ? Right? It, it's not a welcome that says sin is nothing. You know, no big deal. Uh, that that certainly wasn't the message that we saw in thirteen and fourteen of Numbers. There was this kind of Righteous trembling over the ugliness of sin and the holiness of God. Uh, but, but in Christ, the message is God's grace is greater than all our sin. Our, our sin is great, but his grace greater than all our sin. And of course, on this side of the cross, we know how that all comes together. It's in Jesus. Uh, it's in Christ that the, the justice of God is satisfied, uh, that, that, that he wins that welcome for us uh, in Christ, his grace uh, is greater. And as we, as we were called to, to turn from sin, right, recovering, that's what we're talking about, recovering from rebellion, here's this key element of what drives us away from sin and towards the Lord. It's this sweet grace of the Lord. Uh, it's this surprising welcome of sinners, uh, it's, it's not, turn back to the Lord, and I know he's going to be, no, want nothing to do with me. No, it's look how he welcomes the undeserving. Uh, and that is part of what motivates us to turn from our sin. Maybe, maybe you're in the midst of struggling with some sin right now. And yes, the call of God is to realize it's ugly, uh, and God is holy, and you need to turn from it. Uh, But part of what motivates your turning back to God uh, is clinging to the work of Jesus is realizing there's this surprising welcome uh, for rebels who turn to him. And you get that reaffirmed as we get to our our second point, where as we talk about God's reaffirmation of relationship. And here we want to focus a little closer on the specific types of sacrifices that are described here um, we, we mentioned that, that already in Leviticus there's been a lot of description of, of sacrifices. So this is, this is not new, but it's a new focus here. Uh, so again, we're asking, how is this a little bit different than, uh, than, than how Leviticus sounds? Uh, if you've been uh, uh, here showing up here at Emmanuel for a while, you might remember about a year or so ago, we actually went through the different types of sacrifices in Leviticus. Um, and and you, you, you might remember... That Leviticus, those opening chapters where it goes through the sacrifices, there's a lot of time spent and instruction spent on how to how to do the gory stuff. You know how to cut up the animals and what what gets washed and what gets burnt and where the blood goes and what, what do you do with the entrails and you know it's all this. It almost almost Leviticus opening chapters almost read like a like a butcher shop. You know, here, here's the here's the, the manual for the for the, the newly training butchers at the meat processing plant. That's almost how how Leviticus reads. Uh, but then you read the, the, the description here in Numbers 15. It's talking about sacrifices again, but doesn't read like a butcher shop. It actually reads more like a like a restaurant menu, right? Doesn't it? Almost have that restaurant feel. Okay, here's going to be the, the the meat main course, and here's going to be the the grain accompaniment and the wine that pairs with that meal, right? That's where the focus is. Uh, you even heard that repetition of food offering, food offering. Uh, this much, uh, this much grain, this much oil, this much wine. It almost sounds like a like a menu, and that's not by accident. The picture here is. Uh, more focus on a meal. A meal offered up to God, not because God is hungry, uh, right? He needs nothing from us. Uh, but but the, the point of the meal is to emphasize uh, relationship with God. Um, you might know that in the ancient world, meals were, were far different than just, okay, got to kind of fuel up for the day, That's kind of how how we often do meals. Got to to, to get through this next section today. Let's grab some food. Uh, Meals in the ancient world uh, were were primarily, the focus was relationship. This was how you had the most intimate fellowship with another another person. People even talk about table fellowship. That's the idea. Uh, and And so that, which is in the normal everyday human world, now, these sacrifices, as presented here in, in Numbers 15, as it goes on about the, the grain and the wine and the oil, and it, it has that table fellowship feel. Only now here it's it's with God. This perfectly well balanced meal. Uh, in fact, many of most of the sacrifices that are mentioned here are specific ones where Israelites get to eat part of the food. Uh, whether it's a priest who gets a portion, uh, or even uh, or even in the, fel- it's the case of the fellowship offerings, where the everyday Israelite gets to eat a portion of it, so you have this feel of God, he gets a portion, but but Israelites get a portion too. And again, it's that uh, it's that it's that connection of, of of a meal. God eats, we eat. You have that uh, that feel of of relationship. This rich, abundant meal. Uh, the highlighting here is. God's drawing near to His people. God's drawing near to His people. He's drawing near uh, to care for them, and to and to watch over them, and to build and to build relationship. And again, uh, remember, remember primarily the, uh, the the focus on uh, on on timing, right? That it's it's specifically. Uh, it's, it's specifically coming right after chapter 14. Uh, coming specifically right after uh, after this rebellion. That this is the time that God wants to call his people, yeah, we're going to talk about a reaffirmation of, of relationship. A reaffirmation of, of relationship. It's exactly that time where, where you might think uh, God's people are thinking, yeah, this is when God wants nothing to do with us. Right, we've 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 just sinned, and 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 God wants absolutely nothing to do with us at this point. Uh, and yet, and yet, this is exactly the time when God says, "No, no, no let's let's talk about the relationship pictured here uh, in this in this sacrifice." Um, it's different than how we often do relationship, isn't it? Uh, right, we, when we get into a a, a falling out with someone, uh, then you know there there's some big big argument or difficulty or you know there's some kind of fight some kind of falling out um, maybe there's an acknowledgement of sin I'm sorry and the other person says okay I yeah, I forgive you um, but but what but what what often what often accompanies that there might be an, an open acknowledgement sorry okay I forgive you but usually in human relationships the relationship then becomes really cold doesn't it right okay there's Outward pardon, but then there's this distance in the relationship. There's this distance in. Okay, well, well, we'll just uh, we'll just you know kind of keep our distance from one another. Or maybe you're in the same house and you've just had this 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 difficulty, this falling out, and you kind of pass one another as if it's ice cold. Uh, we kind of expect God to do that with us, right? Surely God wants nothing to do with us. Surely that's how Israel probably. Uh, probably thought about God thinking in, in this very moment, right? Oh, God wants nothing to do with us at this point. Uh, and yet, and yet, this is the very point at which God says He's going to, He's going to reaffirm the the relationship. He's going to reaffirm the relationship. Yeah, no, no, that's fine. Take your time. I don't want people to be embarrassed or distracted. I know. Uh, just making sure our sister gets all the care she needs. Thankful for the, for the body of Christ. We help each other uh, in the midst of all, all times and seasons. Alright. So again, see where we are. There's this there's this rebellion against the Lord. There's this turning away from him. Exactly the point at which God's people might think, yeah, God wants nothing to do with us now. And it's right at that point, there's this description, yeah, in Old Testament clothing, description of God's not just openness. But even command to celebrate the relationship, and that's what that's what God that's what God has for His people. Uh, that's that's the the surprising grace that's greater than our sin, and He doesn't just kind of bear pardon and then move move ahead, uh, but that it's actually God restoring what was always meant to be the trueness of salvation. You might remember there's that there's that point in the. In the book of Exodus, another sinful rebellion of God's people, the golden calf incident. You might remember right after that, God says to Moses, Okay, I'll give you the land, only I'm not going with you. Right? I'll give you the land, only I'm not going with you. In other words, God says, I'll give you the, uh, the relationship, or the I'll give you the reward, but not the relationship. And remember, Moses, reflecting God's heart, doing the job that God gave Moses to do, Uh, Moses says, no, 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 we're not doing that. No way. And that's reflecting what you see here. Will God give a little bit of the reward but but hold back on the relationship? Here's this affirmation of, not this God. Not this surprising, uh, surprising grace of God. In fact, it's it's a shocking reaffirmation of it. Again, it's something you see reflected in the parable of the prodigal son. Uh, Right? Here's this this son. Again, we think this is this is a picture of me, right? Sin, and here's this son, he's coming back uh, to his his father. Remember, his whole speech is I'm not worthy to be your son. I'm not worthy of the relationship. I'll, I'll get it. Relationship is done. I'll just be a hired servant. But how is he received back? He's received back. And the father wants to, in every way possible, emphasize not receive back just as a servant. I'll care for your physical needs. But he's received back as a son, right? Dress him uh, as such. Throw a party as such. Think of the party itself. Uh, here is this prodigal. He doesn't serve the meal as a hired servant. He gets the place of honor, the place of relationship, sitting right next to his father right? as Son, God restores and reaffirms the very relationship He rejected, and and friends, that's uh, that's that's how God views us as we turn from our sin in Christ. Uh, his desire, His His delight uh, is to restore that relationship with us. It's surprising, right? It, it should have us asking why, right? And, Humans don't do that. Why is that so surprising? Well, of course, all of this points to Jesus, doesn't it? Jesus as the true Son, uh, who uh, who ultimately, though he never rebels against his Father, gives his life, right? And he's bearing the curse, the curse that we deserve. Uh, there is there is God, our substitute. Jesus, our substitute also so that we, having that justice having been done, can be restored uh, to the Father. That was the, the Father's plan all along. So again, what, what great confidence we have in turning from our sin and turning uh, and turning to Christ. Great joy uh, fully expecting His welcome uh, as we turn back uh, to the Lord. One more aspect we want to touch on in this passage, Uh, So we've talked about God uh, summoning his people uh, back into into relationship, reaffirming grace. And the final thing we get here is uh, his call to rededicate themselves to him, uh, to dedicate their lives uh, to him. And this is something that's really implied throughout the offerings of verses 1 to 10, those grain offerings and drink offerings. uh, Nothing dies in those offerings, so it's not like about... like. Uh, atoning for sin, those offerings have this, this sense of uh, relationship, but also dedication to the Lord. But I think that especially comes out uh, with this final little offering. This is the only place uh, that I know of that this occurs. This dough offering, uh, Jews call it a hala offering, verses 17 to 21. And again, it's this is something for when you get into the land. You get into the land that God gives you, uh the fields produce grain. You turn it into flour. You bake bread, but God says, uh, as you're breaking that bread, you take a first portion of the dough, uh, and and offer it up to the Lord. Bake a loaf that's that's for for the Lord. Uh, it, it's this picture of of life dedicated to God, and in many ways, this is this is a powerful one because this is uh, this is the most. Uh, Every day of the offerings, right? All the other offerings, they take place at the tabernacle with all its fanciness or later someday at the big temple. But this is the offering that's just in the humble kitchen. Uh, it's everyday life. But everyday life where there's this acknowledgement that God is the one who has blessed us in this land. He's given us this great harvest. And, and, we, and we bring back this little portion of it to him. Uh, and dedicating uh, our life in thanksgiving and in, and in that all of life even the most mundane moments belong to him and are to be dedicated uh, to him even, even in these, the very simple uh, way of, a, of a, an offering of a, of a baking of bread now the New Testament of course talks about offerings as well uh, they're not animal offerings or, or even dough offerings the New Testament talks about other types of offerings, uh, a sacrifice of praise, Hebrews 13, our, our worship to God is an offering. Uh, Romans 12 speaks about our physical lives and, and all the members as a living sacrifice to God, our hands, our feet, our mouths. Uh, Philippians 4 talks about a financial gift to God's work and God's people as a, as a fragrant offering to the Lord. Even Ephesians 4, loving one another is described as a fragrant offering, pleasing uh, to God. All these, uh, not to pay for sin, right? They're all bloodless sacrifices. Uh, but they're all that because Christ has made the final sacrifice. We're, we, we respond in thanksgiving, but also in, in dedication uh, of ourselves. Uh, to god just like the dough offering or the the grain offering uh, the call is uh, to respond to god's shocking grace uh, by reaffirming that all of we all that we have and all that we are is to be given over uh, over to the lord right we uh, we we worship him offer that sacrifice of praise because he is he has rescued us or we we give uh to the lord and to his work because he has given us everything even his own son uh, we love one another because he served us, uh, and we offer in return a sacrifice. Maybe, uh, maybe even our, uh, we can focus in the week ahead, just on taking our cue from this, this dough offering, right? This very humble, mundane location offering, right? The most everyday, like the offering of the kitchen. Uh, maybe, maybe that's, that's the kind of way to think about offering re- and rededicating your life to the Lord, don't as much think maybe this week as the of the big things, but maybe even the little things, right? The everyday life stuff. I don't know about, about your kitchen, but my kitchen is the is the center of everyday life. That's where people pass and people congregate and people talk and sometimes people argue. It's, it's everyday life. That's the kitchen. What would it look like? I should ask myself to in that kitchen rededicate, offer up my life. Uh, okay, maybe not in a portion of dough, but but what about in my in my words? Uh, A dedication, an offering to the Lord in how I speak? Or or my ears and how I listen, or my acts of service and how I how I minister, even in those little things, even in the humble everyday place like a a kitchen. Uh, All because God wants all of us not to pay for our sin, but as a uh, but a response to His surprising grace, He purchases all of us. We rededicate ourselves to Him, and it's thinking how to respond to rebellion. And all of us face those situations, like Israel here. have we've, we've rebelled against the Lord badly. How do we respond? Well, first we notice that God takes the initiative. And that's the same with our sin. We see the work of Christ, and he's already taken the initiative to surprisingly welcome us as we turn to him. Uh, and, he, and he restores and reaffirms his commitment to be our God and we his, his people through his son. And there is that call uh, in the midst of that and flowing out of that uh, to rededicate ourselves to him. And in the big acts of life, but even in the mundane moments, We say to God, I'm yours. Uh, I'm yours. Help me uh, to to live as a living sacrifice to you. All because of God's grace. Greater than all our sin. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we do do thank you for your care for us. We thank you for your mercies to us. We thank you for your powerful, powerful grace that is greater than all our sin. Help us each, uh, Lord, to... Uh, to see your love according to our need, wherever we are uh, in relationship with you, whatever uh, Lord uh, the struggles of the past has been, uh, Lord help us to see your grace, to know it in Christ. Lord, giving us faith uh, to turn and look to you and be welcomed and restored and rededicate ourselves to your your service. Lord, we do thank you for that good news. Lord, we do pray even in the midst of everyday life and even this morning. Uh, Lord, the, the need, uh, we don't know exactly what the, uh, the need is with our sister here. We pray for whatever need is there, whatever, uh, Lord, um, the, the situation is that you minister grace and, and strength and health uh, according to your goodness and your mighty care. We do thank you and pray in Jesus' name.